0: Matthew 24, I'd like to read the first eight verses and then we'll come back and study the verses each one by one. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and His disciples came up to show Him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. We are told historically that this is perhaps one of the greatest in length of prophecies that Jesus gave. It's fitting that He began his ministry, Matthew chapter 5, publicly on the Mount of Beatitudes, and he gives the sermon on the Mount. And uh, there were many people there, but we know that the Bible says that he gathered to himself the disciples and he taught them. He was speaking primarily to his disciples. Along the way, uh, Luke tells us in Luke chapter 9 that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. He was going to Jerusalem because he knew that he was going to the cross and die on the cross of Calvary. He set his face there. Along the way, he's preparing his disciples that he's going to go away. He goes into the temple. He cleanses the temple. This is about a week before the Passover. He goes into the temple and he cleanses the temple. He turns the money changers over, he runs them out. You remember the the scene. From there, he leaves and he goes overnight and he comes back in the morning. He comes back into the temple in the morning. And the Bible says there He was met by the chief priests and the elders. And He begins to rebuke them. Matthew 21 through 23 simply can be summarized as saying this. Jesus gives His most stern rebukes to the religious crowd for the way that they have uh, prostituted the temple the way they have treated people. Right before Jesus gives this teaching or this prophecy, Luke tells us He's sitting and He's watching as people put in money in the temple. The rich people come and they make a show of it so everybody knows they're putting great sums in. And you remember the little widow comes in and she gives all that she had, her last two mites. And Jesus is watching that And he is seeing how the Jews have taken the temple and they have changed it from what it should be to what it is. Jesus gives His most scathing rebuke in chapter 23. I think there are seven woes pronounced in those passages where He's dealing with those religious people. He's very serious about this. From there he leaves and he goes up onto the Mount of Olives. If I could paint a picture for you of the Mount of Olives, I've, I have stood there and I have looked out over across the valley, the Kidron Valley. I've looked out and I see, and you're most familiar with, you've seen it on television, the Dome of the Rock. You know what the Dome of the Rock is, Right? The Dome of the Rock was built on the Temple Mount. 691, there was some Muslims that were in control for about 15 years and they built the Dome of the Rock on top of the Temple Mount and they have custody of it. And it's been a constant battle between the Jews and the Muslims over that area. But at the time, Jesus is standing on the Mount of Olives. He looks over and He sees the temple. Now you have to understand, the temple was beautiful. Herod wanted to outdo Solomon, so he spared no expense. It was magnificent. At the time, perhaps it was better than any building that existed anywhere. And the disciples come up to Jesus and they say this. Verse 2. Or Verse 1, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and His disciples came up to show Him the buildings of the temple. They're impressed. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. They're happy about the building but listen to me. Jesus is sad about their souls. They're happy about these magnificent structures but Jesus is sad about their souls. Jesus is speaking to Jews about the faith and future of the Jews. It's interesting, some few days earlier in Matthew 21, Jesus sends some disciples over to find a colt. He gets on the colt. He rides down into the accolades of man. Remember they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna it's not ironic, it's not incidentally, it's ordained of God that He rides into Jerusalem on the very day that was predicted thousands of years earlier in the Old Testament that said that He would ride in on that specific day He did April the 6th, 32 A.D. Jesus has a message for the Jews. 21 through 23, Jesus has rebuked them because they rejected Him as Messiah. All of this matters. The context matters. I spent two hours yesterday with a good friend whom I love dearly, who is a strong believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but he believes that all these things have already happened in 70 A.D., and there's no tribulation period. There's none of that stuff. It's all happened. It's all spiritual allegory. And there are people that believe that. But I don't. I believe what Jesus is doing is He's talking to Israel. He's talking to the Jews about their future. Because they ask Him questions about it. They ask him questions about it. He tells them in verse 2, after they show him the temple and how grand it is, and he says, not one stone shall be left here upon another. Verse 3, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Privately. They come to Him privately. And they say, tell us when, we will, when will these things be, number one. And what will be the sign of your coming, number two. And what will be the end of the age. Jesus takes the rest of this scripture and answers those questions. He's going to answer them. So what does he say? What does Jesus say about this? Well, it's interesting to note that Jesus tells them that, and I want to talk about it before I get into the other two questions. I want to talk about the answer. Luke does a great job of answering the question that Jesus' answer about when the temple is going to be destroyed. We know We know historically in 70 AD the Romans in response to some Jews who wanted to revolt from Rome. Rome was the empire at the time and they allowed Judaism to exist so in as they paid their taxes and they were good citizens and they didn't cause any uproar. They let them have a the temple, they let them do all this. But there were some Jews who did not want to be enslaved to the Romans. And to quell that revolt, Rome comes and they literally take wood and build wooden structures around the walls of the temple, scaffolding, if you will, and they set that scaffolding on fire, weaken the mortar and the bricks and topple the temple down. They come into Jerusalem and they overturn Jerusalem, 70 A.D. History is full of it. You can Google it. You can read all about it. Don't read Wikipedia because anybody can submit to Wikipedia. In Bible college, that's not even a legitimate reference. But you can go to Britannica Encyclopedia online and read about it. Josephus, who was a historian that wrote of the antiquities of the Jews, and I have it on the computer program. You can go and read his historical account of this in 70 A.D. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up because I want you to know that Jesus predicted it, and some 40 years later, it happened exactly as He predicted it. And I would like to read, uh, this book is a great book of help. It's called The Wor- World of the End by David Jeremiah. And if I may, I would like to read rather than quote, just, just a small portion. While Luke 19 provides us with a description of the destruction of Jerusalem, the first century historian Josephus also gave us a detailed record of how Jesus' temple prophecy came to pass. It was fulfilled down to the last letter and literally down to the last stone. Fast forward to A.D. 70. Responding to a Jewish insurgency throughout Judea, the Roman general Titus built large wooden scaffolds around the walls of the temple buildings. A tactic never before used. He piled the scaffolds high with wood and other flammable items and set them on fire. The intense heat weakened the temple structure And the Romans were able to dislodge the giant stones, prying them off one by one and casting them into the valley below. Afterward, the soldiers sifted through the rubble left on the temple site to retrieve any gold that had melted into smoldering ruins. All that remained on the site was flattened down to the retaining walls just as Jesus had predicted. On the southwest side of the foundation is what we are... How many of you have heard of the Wailing Wall? I stood there. I prayed for Shawnee Hills Baptist Church. At that time, there was a little piece of paper with Shawnee Hills Baptist Church on it, stuck in the wall, because that's what they did. They just wrote on paper, stuck in the wall, so I did whatever else did. Um, But I say that to say this. that, That prophecy... Coming true should take any skeptic, any skepticism away from anyone. And we know that there are so many other prophecies in the Bible that have come to true fruition that Jesus has spoken. And so Jesus, no doubt, gives the glimpse, and no doubt perhaps some that might have been there that day. 40 years later may have still been alive and they might have remembered the prophecy spoken by Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, this should make us want to pay attention to the remaining portion of this. Because from now on, he is going to answer the other two questions. And those two questions are asked by Jews, about Jews, and the answer pertains to the Jews. So let's look and see what will be the sign of your coming. What does the Bible say? I know you all know this. I've taught you this before. The Jews look for a what? A sign. A sign. So when people speak of signs, we Americans really don't look for signs. There are some people who do, but we don't look for signs. We look for the Savior. What are the signs? So he's speaking to Jews. Notice what he says in verse 4. And Jesus answered them and said, Take heed that no one deceives you. Why would he tell them to be warned and take special caution that no one deceives you? Because people are going to try to deceive you. People are going to try to deceive you into thinking falsely or incorrectly. Verse 5. Notice he says this. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. I did a casual perusal today of just people, noted people, in the 21st century that claimed to be the Messiah. There are ten people in the 21st century that have claimed and grew, had traction and momentum as claiming to be Messiah. The Messiah. I don't know all their names. I'm not going to say all their names. But in my my study, it went all the way back to the 17th century. There were people in the 17th century claiming it. The 18th century, the 19th century, the 20th century, and the 21st century. As long as they've been keeping records, there have been people claiming falsely to be the Messiah. Jesus said, there will be many that come... And claim that they are Christ. Look at verse 6 and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Do you know that there's a war on every continent today? Do you know there are multiple wars in multiple countries? We just know about a limited number of wars. And the Bible says that there is going to be wars and rumors of wars. How many times do we hear the uh, news media talking about, well, Russia this and North Korea this and, 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 and you know, China and all these things. And well, China could happen this and China's about to, to uh, attack Taiwan and Russia's going uh, the Ukraine and all of these rumors of wars. As a matter of fact, I started to think, as long as I've been an adult, I don't ever remember there being a time where there wasn't a war or a rumor of war. Jesus said it's going to happen. He goes on to say, see that you are not troubled. This is the message we ought to have. Instead of running around as Christians thinking, oh no, the end of the world's coming and, and they're bombing Israel and Hamas and all this, we need to not be troubled. God's got it. He's got it. And i want to show you in just a moment how He's got it. But He says this, You will hear these wars and rumors of wars. Many will come in my name, but the end is not yet. They all have to come to pass. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation. That's happening right now. Iran is rising against the United States of America. Do you know that they have bombed various locations of our military installations? Sure they have. Kingdom against kingdom the united states is not a kingdom but saudi arabia is a kingdom and they're rising against other kingdoms there will be famines huh interesting 48 countries 238 million people are facing food insecurity which is considered the definition of a famine. Currently, right now, 48 countries, 238 million people are facing famine right now. Why? Jesus said they would. Pestilences. Oh, this is the one I love to talk about. I have a 21-page printout of an article that I printed off today from the... uh, It's entitled... Nine diseases that keep epidemiologists up at night. Of these nine diseases, almost all of them have a death rate of between 40 and 75%. 40 to 75% of the people that get these nine diseases die, no treatment. 21 pages. stuff that I've never heard of. Just a perusal through here, some things. The N-I-P-A-H virus. Fruit bats, flying foxes, domestic animals, pigs, horses, cats, dogs. It can be transmitted through animals and can be uh, direct human to human contact contaminated foods. Forty the 75% fatality rate. The virus can cause encephalitis or swelling of the brain. Lassa fever. Rift Valley fever. Things I've never even heard of. Ebola and Marburg virus disease. All of these, all of these, one after another. And If you want to read it, I will, it's not very nice and encouraging to read. You hear some of the symptoms and some of the things. It's not good at all. Pestilences. Pestilences. He said there would be pestilences. Earthquakes in various places. Does anybody here have a shot... At how many earthquakes we've had in 2023? Does anybody have a guess? Not not Bryce, because I've already talked to Bryce. Does anybody have a guess how many? Just throw out a guess. Anybody? You guys are not even in the radar. There have been 12,381 earthquakes in 2023. 12,381. And we don't have earthquakes in Ohio, so we're removed from it. Earthquakes in various places. This is facts. I'm not making anything up. What I'm telling you is this what Jesus says is true. What Jesus says will happen will happen. It doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who the Congress is, who the Senate, who's ruling in Zimbabwe or wherever. It does not matter. If God says it, it will happen. And Jesus said, Disciples, you are worried about the buildings. And these buildings... He didn't tell them 40 years, but we know now in 40 years, these buildings are going to be crumbled. They'll be down. They'll be nothing. Forty years, and every stone was toppled down. Jesus said, listen, people will come in my name and they will declare that they are the uh, Messiah. There will be rumors of war. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquake in various places. And it happened. It happened. And he says this, look at verse 8. All these are the beginning of the sorrows. You know what that word sorrows means? That word sorrow means literally birth pains. How many of you ladies have ever had a baby? How many of you ladies would raise your hand and say it hurt? How many of you would honestly say, I don't know that, I mean, we just have to validate this, but how many of you would say that the first day you found out you were pregnant didn't hurt as bad as a week before you had the baby? It intensified the closer it came for the baby. That's exactly what the text means. And I, I want to read to you from a different translation that adequately captures what he is saying. If you'll just listen closely, and this is ac- it's very accurate. I've just told you exactly what the Greek words means. Listen to this. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out, to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will be the signal of your return and the end of the world. Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. You will hear of wars, threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only... The first birth pains with more to come. It's exactly what Jesus is saying and He's telling us. And this first part of this Olivet Discourse, what I want you to see is this. These things are going to happen. And they're directed towards Israel, and I will show you as we get deeper in this why I believe and why it's directed towards Israel. But the thing that we need to know is the church is not mentioned here. The church is not here. You know why? Because at the time, the church will have been raptured out. Yes, we will see these beginnings of sorrows, but we will not see the tribulation period. And we should not be those running around fretting, musing over all that's going on in the news because God's Word tells us what's going to happen. I was shocked when I found out, just as you were, that there were 12,381 earthquakes this year. I was blown away that people would actually follow someone in the 21st century that claimed to be the Messiah, that claimed to be Jesus. But there were ten guys that claimed and they had a large number of following. To be on the list, they had to have so many people following them. I'm blown away. Maybe because we're so blessed that there are 48 countries where they are living in famine crisis. 200, I think, let me read it so I don't say it cor- incorrectly. 238 million people living in famine. And we're all going to go home and eat whatever we want tonight. And start our diet Monday. So what? So what? Well, I'd like to just tell you five things real quickly. Five things. Even though this is toward to Israel, we know that these are the beginning of sorrows. We know these are going to happen, and we know what's coming. So what? Well, number one, the fulfillment of prof- prophecy of the destruction of the temple shows us the accuracy of biblical prophecy. We should believe this with every fiber we have. It's a book of faith, and... Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. You, I mean, you might guess one, but there are some 200 and some prophecies that have been fulfilled in the New Testament out of the Old Testament. Not even close to being a coincidence. Number two, we are not to be troubled. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I hear this, as the pastor Sometimes I'm thinking people are not right with the Lord. I'd like to scare a little bit of them, you know what I mean? I'd like to scare the devil out of them, you know what I'm saying? Get them back in faithful, you know? you know what I mean? Someone asked me about it, I want to embellish it. I want it to sound real bad, so they're scared to death, so they come, right? I mean, that's what I want to do. But the fact of the matter is, we should be the stable factor in this last day. We should be the ones who are stable that the world looks to and says, they know something. They're not fretting. They're not running around uh, building bomb shelters and stuff. they're, They're stable. And we should be the stabling people in this day. Number three, the more we live, these signs, quote, I hate to say signs. We don't watch signs. They're going to gain in intensity. They're going to come more frequently. But we are not going to be moved because we're not watching signs. We're watching for the Savior. Keep your eyes on the Savior, not the signs. The signs mean nothing to us. We know that they're just the beginning of sorrows. Number four, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Church, we need to be real. We don't need to be playing church. We don't need to be doing all this stuff. We just need to be simply be ready with the Lord. We need to be ready because He could come at any moment. How many believe the rapture is imminent? It means it can happen anytime. Well, then if we believe that, we want to be right with Him, right? I don't want Him to come back and me be doing something that's not right with Him when He comes. When He calls me out of here, I want to go and I want to be right with Him on the way up. I'm going to be Hallelujah, shouting, Glory to God. You say, Well, I'm afraid of heights. You ain't going to have to worry about that. Your eyes ain't going to be on the ground. Your eyes are going to be on Him. Most people are not afraid of heights, they're afraid of falling. And falling's not the problem, it's a sudden thud at the bottom that hurts. But, anyways, be ready. And then lastly, number five, I keep saying this, I keep saying this, I keep telling myself, I keep looking for opportunities, I keep trying, I keep failing, I keep trying, I keep failing, I keep trying, I keep failing, and I need to keep preaching this to myself. So if it's not for you, it's for me. We need to ratchet up our witnessing. I can't tell you how many times I've taught a kid how to throw a baseball. How many times I've taught them how to do this and play baseball and uh, and taught my son how to hunt and do all these things. and, And you know what? We have time to do all that stuff, but we don't have time to teach someone about Christ. Everyone in this room will see someone this week that's without Christ. And would to God he would burn in our hearts that we would have the passion in us that we would share Christ with other people because he is the hope of glory. He is. Nothing else is going to matter. I am not going to get in heaven and say, "Lord, <laughs> the Buckeyes were number one." Wait till after the national championship before you rapture us out. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Rapture me out, and they can have it. I'm out of here. The things that we do, Joseph, Joseph said, "Hallelujah, Amen." He thinks that Miami is a Shekinah glory. (laughs) But anyways, I'm just telling you guys this. Listen to me. This is such, such good. This is what it is. The whole thing that brought about this prophecy. Of course, God knew. Jesus knew he was going to talk about this. We don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what he's going to say. But the whole reason is because they were concerned about the buildings. Jesus, look at these buildings. And that's what we do. Jesus, look at our buildings. We've got a camp. And look at all the people. We're happy about the buildings and Jesus is sad about our souls. Because we come in here full of dead man's bones and we sit in the pew and we have an opportunity to sing about the glorious, wonderful things of Jesus. And we don't. We're thinking about what we can do after church. And we want an insurance policy. We don't want to go to hell, but we don't want God to intervene in our lives. That's where the disciples were. And, Lord, look at this. Look at us. I think it's funny they came to him privately and asked him because when they were out serving, you know, we were Jesus. He healed the sick. We were there. I picked up the leftovers. That's the way we are. Me and Jesus, we're on first name basis. Jesus, when's these things going to happen you're talking about? That's the same things we do. The same things we do. We're happy about the buildings and he's sad about our souls. We look at the word of God and we think, man, he's just trying to restrict our living. And we've almost bought the lie of the world. The world tells us, man, that Bible's archaic, it's old, it doesn't mean anything. You live the way you want to live. Let me tell you something, that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. The reason God gives us the word is true living. True living is by faith. I heard someone say, I loved it. Someone was saying, live your best life now. And the preacher said, the only way you're living your best life right now is if you're going to hell when you die. Because heaven will be your best life. If you're going to heaven, you won't have your best life on this earth. Your best life will be up there with him. If your best life is right here, you're on your way to hell. That's what that preacher said. I said, Go on, boy. Wait, no, boy, he's older than I was. But, anyways, you get what I'm saying. All this was spoken to Jews about Jews. And when we look at it, our application is this we know these things are going to happen. And next week, we're going to talk about what happens after the beginning of sorrows. We won't be here, but we know people who might. So therefore, we need to do what He told the disciples right before He ascended. You shall be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, it's your little circle. Judea, it's a bigger circle. Samaria, at the most parts of the earth. That's what he told us. So, are we going to do what he tells us? Or are we going to just continue to play church? That's the real issue. I'm gonna go home tonight and I'm gonna sleep and I'm not gonna worry about the world ending. Because I know when the world ends, I'm gone. What I will worry about is those I know that are not saved. That I could have told about Jesus, but I didn't. And I'm asking God, and I hope you will join and pray with me. I'm asking God, God, give me eyes that undersee the opportunities. That when I can witness to someone, give me eyes to see the opportunities. Not let the opportunities go by. And Lord, give me wisdom, not to be someone from a self-righteous point of view, but a genuine concern that this person does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And help me have the courage to tell them. I'm not going to save anybody. I just got, just want to tell them. These birth pains are going to grow more and more. Just as in the New Testament, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, evil shall work, wax worse and worse. It's going to grow worse and worse. It's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. Uh, someone has said, trying to use politics to change the morality of a fallen world is like rearranging the furniture on the Titanic. It's pointless. The true the true matter is when we are circumcised in our heart. When we're changed by the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have been changed, if you have been saved, you have nothing to worry about. You have now I granted I don't want to be like in the middle of an earthquake and a building fall on me, and I think, "Oh, bless God! I'm, you know, I'm on my way to heaven." I mean, no, I'm going to run. I'm going to look. You know, cracks me up. Remember when we were in school? We all go out in the hallway and put a book over your head. It's a 12-ton building. Put a book over your head. You'll be fine. You know, you have to do something. But my point is this: if it does come to that, I know I'm okay. I know I'm going to heaven. So let's live. Let's live like we're redeemed. Let's live like we believe that the Lord's going to come back. Let's live like it. Let's enjoy life. Let's stop being grumpy, old curmudgeon Christians, and let's be joyful. I mean, we're coming in to the We got Halloween out of the way. Now we can focus on Christmas. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Christmas is coming. Noah and I, we were driving in the car last night, and he said, Man, I'm just feeling Christmas. And I said, You know, I am too. And uh, I might even play some Christmas music this week, some eggnog. Yeah, (laughs) hallelujah. That's good preaching. Just know this. God has a plan, and everything is going to fall into his plan. Be ready, be used by God for his glory, and everything will be just fine. Can we pray? Lord, we love you.